It's time for you and those you love to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Move Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a free one-hour live online class where you'll hear new and empowering information about how to solve addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, or labeling yourself for life. If you're struggling or you love someone who is, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in our free class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org. And when you attend our masterclass, you get the added bonus of 50% off our Freedom Model online program. So enroll today at thefreedommodel.org and we'll see you at the masterclass. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. So, uh, hi everyone. My name Hello. is Mark Sheeran and that's Michelle Dunbar. And uh, we uh, we are the authors of The Freedom Model. So, um, along with Stephen Slate. So, yes. um, I, we're going to talk about a, a really cool topic today. And it's it's such a powerful, powerful topic. It's you are what you think. Uh, but by the end of this, this podcast, we may have a different title for it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if we've done one on that with that title before, but this is, we've learned some things personally over the last, I don't know, year or two. It's probably been the last two. Well, it's been, a well, probably the last two years primarily. Um, but the last several months since we made the decision to close the retreat really yeah and um and move forward um with our and developing these fantastic new products and we've really uh shifted our focus and we've had a lot of challenges as we do that so so we but but mark and i never stopped learning yeah so we and and our focus has always been you know, when we had the retreats, the residential retreats, it was a huge part of Michelle and, and my life, right? For uh, 30 years yeah, plus. <laughs> yeah, for 30 years, right? So just imagine that you have one job and and you've been dedicated to that model for that long and then you let it go, right? And and the mental adjustment that that takes, especially a business where it was a 24-7 business. We never had a day off, really. Um, so it's it's seriously intense. And then to let that go and start over with a new set of products and services. But more than that, it, the, the products and the services came out of this focus of being an international company. Yes. And now we have uh, quite a big presence in the UK, Germany, and, and Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah. Those are the two. Amazing. So, so there's this, this strange thing of, of changing your life and, for us, it was quite traumatic because of of how much we had invested in the retreats and we let that go. So you can't do that without mental flexibility. You just can't. 
And there's been in my life, there's been probably four eras of change, four times where there was an era where I did one thing uh, as, as a young man, I was, the era was, I was a screwed up young man, right? Mm -hmm. Then I went to the AA era for 10 years and yep. the observational study and climbing out of the cult. That was a big, that was a decade of my life. Um, then there was the success years with the retreat where we built the entire freedom model, which was experimenting with different methods and learning new research and becoming a really valid addictions expert. So that was my middle ages. And then on the post middle age side, the next era for me was letting go of the retreats and starting over as a, as a 50 year old man. Now I'm 53. So I've been doing that for three years. Each one of those had a dramatic effect. Not only am I physically getting older and, and I'm less vibrant physically um, than I was in my younger years, but, but mentally it, it's, I'm thinking in completely different ways. And I've, and ironically, I'm probably at the most challenged stage now with the business and doing a startup in your 50s is different than when you're in your 20s. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I'll let Michelle talk in a second here, but I just got to get all these thoughts out. So so for me, um, I had to find a method to de-stress as, as I'm not only building the freedom model uh, with Michelle, but but also, you know, I have a wife, I've raised three kids there's, there's all these big things in my life. And now my kids are basically gone. And so that was an adjustment. Um, my marriage adjusted to that in a good ways. So I'm at a, a really interesting time of wisdom. I feel like I have a lot more wisdom when I'm making decisions. I'm not so freaked out. And, and that's really comforting. You know, it's, I remember when I was in my twenties building the company, I was terrified the entire time, <laughs> you know, cause I've never done, I had never done it before, but now I've done these things, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you are what you think plays a huge role in how I frame the challenges of life. And we're going to talk more about that, but I'll let Michelle maybe give her monologue. Well, I, I'm not sure I, I, you know, I went through a lot of the same things that Mark did. I mean, we've known each other since, um, since 1990 when, you know, I was, uh, gosh, how old was I in 1990, 22. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we actually met, I was 21. I had turned 22 in 1990 and I've gone through a lot of the same stages in life where I was really incredibly screwed up. And then, you know, I just everything, my whole world was about getting drunk and high all the time for, for several years and everything else took a back seat to that. And, and my life, uh, the trajectory of my life reflected that, you know, that that was my primary focus. And then my primary focus in after I stopped that stuff really was, interestingly enough, trying to be normal. Mm. You know, my primary focus throughout my, my mid-20s and late-20s and early-30s was to, to start a career and raise a family. And, and AA, I kept the whole AA thing seemed to me to be a distraction from that, it seemed to get in the way of moving on with my life. So I, I recognized that very, very quickly, especially because 
you know, everybody in AA was like, don't do that. Stop. Don't do that. You know, like what, when I, I moved in with my husband very quickly, I, well, I think had about eight weeks, eight weeks sober. Right. And, uh, he and I met and then quickly moved forward on things because, you know, sometimes when you meet somebody, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. And, um, and there was all these doom saying, and then I wanted to go back to college. So I went back to college like that. I, I got sober in June. I went back to college in September, um, or August. And they were like, don't do that. Like it was, it was always getting in the way of the one thing I wanted, which was to get on with my life. And, and so I really did spend my twenties, uh, feeling like I was fighting with recovery to move on with my life, um, and, and extricate myself. So, so kind of side by side with Mark, we were both kind of doing that, trying to figure our way out of that recovery model, uh, to be able to be successful, normal adults. Like that's what I wanted more yeah. than anything in the world. And, and it took us a long time to get there. And now, you know, fast forward, um, you know, we, we had the retreats for a long time and our goal in the retreats was to help people to become, to gain normal lives. Yeah. Cause that's all that we ever wanted. And we helped a ton of people, tens of thousands, you know, and, yeah. and it was amazing. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. amazing. But our goal always from the beginning was to change the world. Yeah. Okay. And, and the retreat model served its purpose, which was to help us to learn a solution that, that would, would help people actually get what most everyone wants, which is, I want to be able to be happy in my life and feel free and not feel like a slave to anything, not a slave to drugs, not a slave to alcohol, not a slave to meetings, not a slave to religion, not a slave to anything. Well, let me jump in here really quick. So not even a slave to your own misery in your own head, which is where we're going to get to with this podcast. Yes. We're not just talking about ourselves. There's we're framing out what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, that's it. Not a slave to a diagnosis, right? Not a slave to medications, um, with respect to mental health, right. And not feel like this is as good as it gets, you know, where every day is a struggle. And, and we, and, and even though circumstances being what they are, you know, life is never it's never easy street for anyone because we all live in our own minds and sometimes that can be a little bit challenging. Yeah. So that's where we're getting to. So, so we've gone through all these different stages and for many of those stages, for me, I didn't know the power of my own mind in yeah. both a negative way and a positive way. And I became acutely aware of how, how terrible I could I could um, kind of screw myself mentally with my thoughts when I was younger because I, I would get into these these places where I would give myself no options in my mind. I would feel like situations were futile and I would frame it that way. And here's what's interesting about when you do that, when you corner yourself, you trap yourself, or you're in an ethos that 
uh, engenders that like AA that tells you you can't think for yourself. When you do that, eventually it ends in death. If, if you go far enough with it, you, everything becomes futile if you believe you are at the mercy of circumstance. Right. If you don't understand this fundamental fact, and that is that your mind is running the framing of everything, the, fr the mental framing, the way you see a situation. Now, I'm going to tell a story about a, a book, and I can't remember the name of the book, but I was reading about blind people who were born blind. And then they, there was a surgery that, that happens. It's, it's kind of a rare surgery, but in certain cases, they can have their optic nerve repaired and, and they can suddenly can see. And in these cases, the doctors and the researchers were really excited about what it's going to be like when they open their eyes for the first time. They, they thought it would be very exciting. It wasn't exciting for the, for the blind people. They were scared, highly uncomfortable overwhelmed and wished to be blind again. And the, the, the doctors didn't understand at first. Well, that's because when we look at a table, as an example, we know what a table is when we see it. That blind person only understands a table by feeling it. So when they saw it, it meant nothing. Right. This is important. It literally, they didn't understand what they were seeing because they had never seen with their eyes before. So, so everything from a cup that had no meaning, it could have been a baby to them. They were mystified. They had never seen color. They had never seen any of it. So they were not excited. They were highly overwhelmed because to them, it was as if they were an infant, but with knowledge, terror. So that got me thinking. That got me thinking, okay, everything that you look at, everything you experience, every relationship you have, every person you kiss, you have sex with, you fight with, you have, you know, whatever, indifference towards, all of those meanings are based on the meaning you give it within your mind. And that is huge power. So if you decide that situations are futile or that that person doesn't love you and you're going to react poorly, you could react completely differently. My point is your mind frames everything and you get to choose that. You are your mind. Yes, you are your mind, not the meat suit. We're not this meat suit. This is just the vessel that we carry around the physical universe. But our mind is this miraculous thing. It's, it's truly remarkable. I mean, that's Mark and I are reading, Mark actually turned me on to it, the Stoics and, and the Stoic philosophy of life. And I just am finishing this book where I, I, I bashed it a little bit, I think in the last episode or the episode before that of, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, Stoicism, the art of happiness. And it, what it, it prompted me to do was get these daily affirmations and write them down, Stoic affirmations. And so today, I'm, I'm meditating on, um, live in the moment without judgment. And it seems very simple on its face, right? What that might mean, live in the moment without judgment. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people. Okay. 
who has this this propensity. And now I'm basically a happy person in general for the most part, um, outwardly so. Um, but in my mind, I am I can like small little inconveniences uh, can pile up throughout my day, and I will react to them like uh, like negatively. Which you're thinking, wow, that's normal. That's normal. Like, so, and I think I did a, I did a short on this this morning, like, you know, just something so dumb and small, like taking out a yogurt and spilling a little of the liquid on the, on the carpet. And, you know, and then you, all these expletives and you're like, you know, and, and things like that, like, and then I thought of live in the moment without judgment. And I'm like, it's a small inconvenience. It's minor. I don't have to react negatively to it. Not at all. I can simply go get a paper towel and clean it up. That's so funny. So <laughs> I mean, so, so I was 18 years old. I was in Florida. You just reminded me of this. And <laughs> I worked for this, this company that was building greenhouses for down in Gainesville for the State University of Florida. And we worked seven days a week from sunup to sundown during the summer. And it was the summer 88. It was the hottest summer. And by code, you had to wear these long pants and work boots and hard hat. And it was, oh, they, it was they just, didn't, they didn't call work on account of it being too hot. No, <laughs> it was, it was fucking brutal. <laughs> and, and my boss was an absolute slave driver. And these guys were really great at what they did. So they brought me in as part of the crew. They brought me down from New York. And I got a really big opportunity and it was really a cool experience, but it was like boot camp almost. So anyway, I asked for a day off and my <laughs> boss lost his mind. This is in an age of total political incorrectness. And he's like, what do you want to work at fucking McDonald's? Go flip burgers, you piece of shit. You know, <laughs> oh I'm like, God. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll, right, and you're, you're young. So yeah, you're like yeah. ready to cry probably. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was in a far off land and I was so scared. And, uh, couple days later, he looks at me, he goes, all right, dude, I'll give you a day off, but you, we're not driving you back to the townhouse. You, you now mind you at this point, I'm, I'm drinking heavy. We're doing blow. It was just, it was just a total mess, but I was just exhausted. So I hitchhiked back there and, uh, I'm like, I finally get a day off and I get back there and the door's locked <laughs> and it's a hundred degrees. I just hitchhiked back. I didn't have any food. You needed and a shower, I'm I, guessing. Dude, <laughs> I, I just I just wanted to sit in the AC for five hours, please. And I it, it's right there. I tried to jimmy that door. I wrecked the door jam. A, I, I could I'm not, not sure I could stay unemotional in that moment. <laughs> well, the weird thing happened. I this was a turning point in my life. This was a weird thing. And but it, it goes right to the heart of the matter. I realized it I, I had no options. Then I was like, wait a minute. So I, there, I realized that the next door neighbor in the townhouse area had a, a set of chairs. So I go over, I steal a chair, I go under a tree, I sit in the chair and I go to sleep in the shade. And I was like, well, this is my day. I'm and, not working. Yeah, I'm not working. And, and I remember I loved it. I was like, I, I had never been out of the townhouse. We were either doing cocaine in the townhouse and drinking and carrying on. And it was very depressing. I was in a deep, it was the first time. And because that door was locked and I reframed the situation, I remember thinking, this is the first nice moment I've had here. Mm. And, and in this book of stoicism, he talked about 
you know, what if your car breaks down? Are you going to see it as the worst thing in the world or are you going to take it as an opportunity to go for a walk? Right. You know, if you can't get a hold of the tow truck and um, maybe what a wonderful thing to go for a walk that day. Um, and what if it's raining? Well, a, a walk in the rain ain't so bad, you know? Right. And so, so there's this, it really will change your life. It will. It will. I, look at, well, what does this have to do with addiction? Well, the vast majority of people that we've worked with, and there's been tens of thousands, okay? Um, turn to heavy substance use because they're trying to be happier in some way, right? Everybody's trying to be happier in some way. They're trying to find an escape, relief from stress, anxiety. They, they're trying to find fun and pleasure. Um, and, and, and for nearly everyone, not 90%, because 90% get over the problem, they don't find it there. That, that, that they don't find it there because, and the Stoics say this, because happiness and pleasure doesn't exist out here. Right, it doesn't right. exist out here in the circumstances and things outside of yourself. It only exists in your mind. Yeah, because the only operative force is you. That's it. That's it. So, so the question is, well, then can I find pleasure? I'm going to go to pleasure because we've talked a lot about that lately. And everybody kind of mi mixes things up. But can I find pleasure in sitting alone in a dark room? Yeah, because it exists in my mind. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not saying that you should sit alone in a dark room continuously all the time. And, and do I think I could find pleasure there? Well, if you look at people like Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Okay. Or Nelson Mandela. You know, the man's search for meaning or Nelson Mandela, we've been, we've used them as examples. Um, in man's search for meaning, Viktor Frankl talks about finding um, happiness to some extent. Right. Meaning. Meaning to life in a concentration camp. Okay. It's, it's a book. I think there's a must read for any human being. Yeah. Must is. read it to, to see how he found this and what he learned and what Nelson Mandela learned is I'm free in my own mind all the time. All the, I'm free to think of my life and my circumstances and my situations in any way I want. Yeah. This is such a, a power. It's honestly, it's miraculous. It I is. really, when you get this, when you get this and you focus on it, and I hope that, that our listeners and, and watchers do that, you know, really focus on what am I thinking? How am I framing my day today? Am I seeing a bunch of problems as problems or am I seeing them as opportunities? Now I know in the internet, there's all this feel good bullshit, right? That, that, you know, that line that I just said could be seen as a feel good bullshit thing. But when you take it literally, not some, That's you know, it. marketing ploy, but when you really look at your world, when I was a kid, I remember feeling completely hopeless and at the mercy of a bunch of people around me because I was the youngest in a very chaotic, abusive place. And I had no cheerleaders. I had no way, nobody saying, Mark, you're going to be safe. That, that did not exist in my world. So I was forced to go within myself and survive. And I found places, very special places 
in the woods and in my mind that were mine. I would literally, I would literally ignore. It was almost like I could shut my, my mind and my eyes out to the things I was seeing and feeling the beating or whatever it might be that, that was happening to me at that time. I could go somewhere else. Yeah. And now I'm not going to say I, I was perfect at it. I would react and I was, oh, yeah. I was like a fucking caged animal at points. And, and I, I was traumatized pretty badly. All my siblings were, it wasn't just me, by the way, it was just, it was just, we didn't have parents and, and that breeds really bad stuff. Um, with all of us, we were all hurt. And, and I just, I just realized one day I was probably eight or nine in this situation going, there's nobody that's going to pick this up. Mm -hmm. So I got to either survive or it's going to kill me. And at 10 years old, it got so bad that I almost killed myself. And then that was a window where I said, I really need to refocus and change. And I didn't know about stoicism. I didn't know about anything. I was a Catholic kid, a very sensitive kid in a bad situation, but it was great training. Right. It really was because I am a resilient dude. I do not have things affect me the way other people do because I found a way to be happy in hell. I did. And I would eke out little places in my mind and then I would eke out little places in my environment. And then I discovered the outdoors that I could leave for days on end with my buddy, Bob, which is her husband. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could escape. So I would escape with my mind first and my mind would carry my body to these different places. And eventually I was hitchhiking all over the place and riding my bike 40 miles a day into different towns with my buddies and became a free spirit. Yeah. You and Bob should do a podcast about your adventures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was wicked cool. It was magical, but it was devastating too, you know, but, but it was a reframing in the mind first. You can't do anything without the reframing in your mind. And look at, this is also important. And I want to go back to what Mark talked about with the, with the online platitudes, because it, what we're, we're not saying, okay, th what we're saying is not, oh, you can feel shitty inside and be outwardly happy. That's not what we're talking about. Not at all. You know, I did that for a really long time. I, I would, and, and, you can do that. That's faking it. That's faking it. You can do that. I, I don't, I don't recommend it. Um, and, and the faking it till you make it, make it, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't find that all that valuable either, quite frankly, but there's also not value in being Eeyore either and walking around, you know, talking about how awful things are and how awful the world is. And, I mean, it's, it's a matter of learning how to change your perspective. One of the things the Stoics talk about is allow nature to be nature, allow the environment to be what it is. Only focus on things that you can change. That's huge. Okay. That's huge. And, and, and really disregard the rest of it. It doesn't have to affect you at all that's a choice it's right. a choice to you do not you know you do not have to let any nothing actually affects you negatively without your consent that's right so let's talk about the difference between the mind and a body here so 
here I am as a kid, this dovetails perfectly with my experience as a child where I didn't have the cheerleaders. I did have this awful experience and I was scared all the time, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm this kid that's scared all the time. And then, and then what I did was I reframed it in my mind that you could hurt my body. And what I realized is first of all, that my body could take a tremendous amount of abuse. I, I, I found that I could take a tremendous amount of pain. I could take a tremendous amount of abuse. We didn't go to the hospital. My family was not the type mm. that you, unless you had a, a seriously broken bone or, or something was life-threatening, it just wasn't even looked at. It wasn't even considered at all. So I, I had many black eyes and bruises and broken fingers and, and, and bad stuff. But so you can batter the body. You can abuse. You can have somebody abuse you. You could have somebody rape you. You could have somebody, you have all these traumatic events to your body. But what I found is that I still had the capability to think beyond it. Yes. And I was able to forgive myself eventually um, for all the things that I thought I had done, the regrets I had. But I also forgave the people that hurt me and I moved on with my life. Now, I carried my body out of that circumstance at 18 years old and I never went back. Um, and, and that helped me to grow as a person into a happier person because it is difficult sometimes to reframe constantly it when, sure is. when your body is being attacked. Right. But one of the, one of the things about, um, cancer and these unavoidable suffering of being a human is if you don't reframe things and you react to every negativity that lands in your lap, my God, will you be miserable? Yeah. You know, and that's the shit. That's how you end up suicidal like I did. So, so I'm not saying that everybody has this terrible path. A lot of people have great lives. Um, and, but some of us are unlucky. We landed with families that were broken and things were not the best, not optimum. And there's a lot of people out there. There's entire nations of third world people that live in abject poverty, but are very happy. They have high That's happiness right. scores. That's right. You know, when they've done polling of, we don't rank very high here in the United States. We're pretty miserable people, but we're very affluent. Um, many African countries rate higher on the happiness scale when they poll people. So how is that possible? I mean, these are people that live in total disease. They don't have antibiotics. And, and war-torn countries. Yeah, high infant mortality. You see people dying left and right, and yet they're happier than us. So there is something to this mm -hmm. from a cultural perspective about reframing misery. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, life circumstances, it, there are things that definitely land in your lap. Um, and there's things that have landed in my lap over the years that if I hadn't reframed them, I'm not sure I'd be here today. So, and I did that without knowing it. So I think there's a tendency to do that. I do. I think we live in a culture now that stops people from doing that, that teaches them there's not value there, that that puts way too much um, importance on how you feel. Oh yeah. Like yeah. that emotions just happen to you because they do feel like they do. And, and that the environment is running you and then you need some crutch, whatever it might be to protect yourself from that. And, and they're ignoring, there's no crutch needed. Your mind is it. Yeah. Your mind is the gatekeeper of your 
uh, intelligence. Your mind is the gatekeeper of of your emotions. Of your emotions, it it's the thing that decides one way or the other. You you decide one way or the other. Your mind. You are your mind. You are what you think. Um, and and but if you ignore that you have a mind, my my God, you're screwed. Yeah. You're going to be run by the world. You're going to be run by big pharma. You're going to be run by treatment. You're going to be run by your therapist, your sponsor, your family, and every traumatic whim that comes your way. And trust me, it's all coming. It does. It's all coming. So it's if you, part of life. Yeah. So, so I just, I'm so glad I was talking to somebody this morning. I'm so glad I grew up the way I did. I'm glad I had nobody there. I, I, I see it now as an absolute gift at the time I used to cry to God and say, why did you put me here? I just want to die. And then, and then, like I said, through all those years, I figured it out. It, I figured out I'm, I'm capable. And then you have this beautiful thing called the positive drive that forces you forward to keep seeking happier situations yeah. and, and it's immutable and you can't help yourself. So you're going to figure it out, but what you pick for happiness, you may pick, you know, uh, I'm going to hate that person. I think I'm going to be happier if I hate the person that hurt me. Well, in the end that hurts you. Mm. Maybe it's better to forgive them, but move on, get out of the situation completely. Right. Your mind is the only thing that can determine the course of that. Your body can't move and get out of that circumstance without deciding first, I'm going to do that. And then maybe I'll forgive them. Maybe you won't forgive them. That's fine too. You know, uh, free will allows for all of this. So I want to, I want to go to, um, this idea that, that childhood trauma is the cause of, or, or trauma is the cause, you know, Gabor Mate talks about trauma and then even is the cause of addiction. And even if you don't know you had trauma, you might have latent trauma and, or there's generational and, uh, trauma. It, it drives me crazy. Okay. So, so here's crazy. what I want to do. Look at, you are what you think. Okay. If, how many people have we known that have come through the retreat that grew up with wonderful families? that didn't have the background we did. That's they right. grew up with wonderful families. There wasn't abuse. There wasn't rape. There wasn't incest. There wasn't all of this trauma that people talk about in their lives. And they just really liked getting fucked up. Okay. Right. And there were lots, thousands, yeah. thousands of people yeah. who yes. were like, I, you know, I had a great life. There's no reason. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because everybody that continues to get that, that, goes in that direction of heavy substance use as being their answer to whatever in their life, their answer to finding happiness. Everybody that does that, you know, believes in the magic of these things, everybody. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances were. Nobody that's getting fucked up really is thinking I'm fixing something that happened to me when I was six years old. Nobody's thinking that way. They're thinking right now, being high would be my best option for happiness. That's right. Now, let's say that you're a person like like myself that was stuck in treatment and and stuck in therapy as a kid. It, it just this, you may start to frame it as your escape oh, for from trauma. Sure. And then I my, did. My God, if you if you are a, a disciple of Gabor Mate, good luck. Because uh, yeah, that's that a, that's a guy, rough road, man. That, that guy, his theories are poison. He is creating his own audience and his own lining his pockets. It's so horrible. 
what what he's doing. Life is traumatic for everyone, for everyone in different ways. And the only solution to it is reframing internally. Yes. There is no other way. I trust me, I had a lot of it, man. Yeah. And I was in therapy and I was in rehab and I I did all this stuff and there was no answer there because there's nothing external to you that can reframe your memories in a different way except you. So challenge yourself because because every thought you have and sometimes th right your mind is active so thoughts are coming in and out and in and out and in and out all the time and don't underestimate the power of habit most of these thoughts are habitual and they they the habits may have started 20 years ago they may have started 2 years ago they may have started like it's it's all from the way you've been framing your circumstances and the things that have happened in your life oh, this entire time. So once you start to become mindful and you start to recognize these thoughts coming in and out, you get to decide whether to invest in them or not. You get to decide whether they're even accurate or not, right? I mean, so many women I've worked with, the habitual thoughts that come through their mind are all about self-deprecation and you're just not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not whatever, right? You're just not good enough. And, and those are choices. You can choose to, you can change the way you're thinking, but it requires becoming mindful and knowing that you can do it, knowing that you can change it. And I can tell you, it is not the same as smiling when you're feeling yucky. It's not, that's the same thing. It is challenging. Just what we talk about with substances, it's challenging. Is that thought even valid? Or yeah, or can I change the thought and see it completely from a different way? Uh, most of the time when people just blindly, you know, put on the smile, it's for the outside world. It is. When you reframe something, it's, it's this internal dialogue you have where you say, this bad situation is happening. First of all, maybe I need to problem solve it and, and, and see if I can fix it, see if I can fix it or get out of it, right? Get out of the situation or leave that relationship or whatever it might be. Sometimes that's the answer. The reframing is having the courage to do that. Yes. Some, sometimes the reframing is letting go of the shred of love, um, and, and that you're getting in this abusive relationship, you know, and looking for something better that has more love. And so, so we're not saying blindly, you know, put the smile on and skip along. Most of the time when I'm reframing, I'm not happy. Make right, a mistake. Right. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> when, when people are looking at me, when I'm in, in, in a traumatic event or just life is sucking. Right. And you're having one of those days. I don't look happy, but inside what I'm doing is saying, what is the silver lining here? What, how can I see this as an opportunity? What do I have control over? Right. Uh, there are situations with other people where maybe, um, maybe I was trying to get love from somebody that really didn't really care about me. Right. This was a common theme in my life because I was so needy. And I had to say to myself, am I a beggar? Do I really want to be a beggar of love? That was a big, that was a big reframing for me. And I did that throughout my thirties, mm -hmm. my twenties, no, my twenties, because I was married by 30 and I, I had a good wife. So it was my, my twenties to my, to about 29. I was like, do I need to be a beggar for love? I don't want to be a beggar. And each relationship got better and better and better. 
I started with very abusive relationships that were devastating to my self-image. And then, and that started when I was like 15 and by 30, when I finally found Danielle, my soulmate, I had to prepare myself for her. I had to go through, I think eight or nine relationships, long-term relation, you know, six months, somewhere a year, somewhere, one was three years and each one got progressively better and less abusive and less depressing. And, uh, so, so it's, that process was all internal to me. Nobody knew I was doing that. I was just trying to figure out. And eventually I got to a place where I don't beg for love. I'm, I'm, I'm a whole person and boom, then I found the person that cared about me. I didn't have to go get it. But even in those relationships, there's so much learning that can take place oh my God. and yeah. self-awareness and, and what do I bring to this relationship and, and what can I get from this relationship? Like it's, and you can be with somebody a really long time, which happened with me and, and, you know, be absolutely adore this person and, but still still take on this role in the relationship of being um of feeling less than and and this this negative self talk i'm i'm telling you minding your self talk is so important and changing those habits it because it's they're everything what you see yourself as, who you see yourself as, how you take in and interpret circumstances in your world and events surrounding you in your environment. Um, you can change it. You have the power to change all of it. You have the power to change your beliefs about a relationship, about a person, um, and make that relationship better or worse depending on your beliefs, okay? About that person, about yourself, about how you relate together. I know this is really deep. I think this is kind of deep stuff that we're talking about, but what we're talking about is the power of your mind is far greater than anyone gives it credit for, okay? Yeah, if you yeah. are going down a road where you're like, um, my chemicals and you know, in this brain chemistry and all that <sighs> stuff, Jesus, I got know. a diagnosis. Let me tell you what, it was wrong, wrong, wrong. And, and I spent several years trying to figure out, you know, feeling as if I was a victim of my brain. Yeah. You, look at your brain doesn't run you. Just get away from that idea. Your brain chemistry doesn't run you. Your mind runs brain chemistry. And you they are have, your mind. You are your mind. You're not your brain chemistry. You are not your brain. Your brain is a processor to move this physical meat suit around and experience through your senses this physical world. Yeah. Yeah. Is, your brain tissue is not creating thoughts randomly in some predetermined set of circumstances that renders you fucked in life. Okay. That's just not true. It's just not true. And any scientist that says that it's, it's the other way around, it's dig, dig into the research and ask the hard questions and they can't answer them. They'll say, no. well, we really don't know. They, we really don't know. We don't yeah. know. We don't know how thought is made. Well, here's what I know. When I think I feel a certain way and I've decided to not think shitty things for myself anymore. <laughs> right. And I right. have full control of that. If you, if you allow for the possibility that you're running your show, just allow your, for it, your whole life will change. I guarantee it. it. Will. 
It will. I think that's a great way to end it. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for all of our podcast listeners and watchers and viewers. If you like our podcast, please share it with your friends and give us five-star rating wherever you listen. And, um, and you can always send topics in at info at thefreedommodel.org. And we thank all of our listeners for the topics they've been sending in. That's really tremendous. And don't forget, we have a free Move oh. Past Addiction Masterclass. It's becoming more and more popular. We do it every Thursday uh, at noontime. You can, if you register for it, it's free. Yeah. One hour. If you register for it and you can't make that time signature, then uh, you can watch it anytime thereafter as a recorded event. So register. Doesn't matter if you can make the time. Watch it at your leisure. It's going to change your life. You'll know more about addiction, getting over addiction, and moving past it, and moving on with your life in that hour than any rehab can teach you in a year, guaranteed. And, and can I can I tell some of the benefits of going to? Yeah. Um, for anyone that registers and watches our masterclass, you can get a fifty percent off coupon to enroll in the Freedom Model online program. Okay. Huge value. Huge value. To all of our online program active members right now, we are offering 10% off coaching. And um, and I wanted to let everybody know that because I know there are some active members out there who um who are listening. So, and it's at below every single video lesson in the online program is a button that says, uh, that gives you a coupon code and a button where you can purchase uh, one coaching session or as many coaching sessions as you want. And no matter how many you purchase, it's 10% off. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. And I hope you're having a great summer or if you're in Australia or New <laughs> yeah. Zealand, I hope you're having a great winter um, because I was just conversing with somebody uh, on Messenger about that. And I said something about I wasn't feeling well. And and I said, oh, summer colds are, or summer sickness is the worst. And she's like, well, because she said she wasn't feeling well. She's like, well, we're in the middle of winter here. And I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Have a great one. Take care. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? Well, that's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.